And he's taking them there to pray, and they turn their back and look, and there's boom, light. God is light. And it says Jesus was transfigured, which means this. Jesus was revealed as he truly was. Pure light, life, and love. And they, they can't behold him as too much, but they see two men up there, and somehow they recognize that's Elijah, and that's Moses. I don't know how they knew, but they knew, and they, 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 they looked to Jesus, right? These are, this is the greatest prophet and the greatest leader, the lawgiver. And so they look to Jesus, and they say, uh, Peter says, Jesus, this is great that we're able to see this. Now let us make, two, let us make three tents so you can all be worshipped. And in the blink of an eye, it's gone. They hear a voice from heaven, and God says, no, listen to only him. And in the matter of a moment, everything is redefined for these Jewish people because you no longer listen to the laws of Moses, and you no longer listen to the, the prophecies of Elijah, but now you listen to Jesus. Why? Because everyone else only saw but a glimpse, but Jesus was the perfect image of the Father. And so if we get stuck in things in the old covenant, and we're just looking, God, 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 but we don't see Jesus, we missed it. Jesus truly is the perfect picture of the Father come to humanity to show how he truly feels and thinks about us. And Jesus said things like this, John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. John 14, nine, Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long a time and yet you have not come to know me, Philip. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? That's a big statement. John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. What does that mean? Everything Jesus did was directed by the father. That's a good, good father. John 12, 49, for I did not speak on my own, but the father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. John 5, 19, therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son always does in the same way. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, there's a, there's a scene that happens. Jesus is invited into a house of a tax collector to dine with them. And the Pharisees see Jesus there. What is it? Jesus was a holy man. He would surely know what type of people these are. These are sinners. Jesus hears what he's saying. Jesus looks to him. He says, a doctor does not come for the whole, but for the sick. Such as this, I've not come for the righteous, but for sinners. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. So what does that say about God? If Jesus is the perfect image of God, it says in his perfect nature, perfect image, and Jesus was near to sinners. Jesus actually spent the majority of his time outside of his disciples with people who were considered sinners in that culture. If Jesus was that near to sinners, imagine the Father. And so in a world that propagates a lie that God hates sinners, 
in a world that propagates a lie that God is against you, that God's wrath burns hot against you. Did you know on the cross, it's called the finished work of the cross. And on the cross, Jesus already handled all of that. So now when God looks at you, he doesn't see every single thing you've ever done. He sees the son and he's readily accepting you into the family. And so the fact of the matter is Jesus has already done the work. Jesus was a friend of sinners, which means God is not opposed to sinners. Actually, scripture tells us God is not slack in your understanding of, of slack to keep his promise. He holds back so that all may come to know the truth and come to a place of repentance. And so the fact of the matter is God is not against you. God is for you. Romans 5, 8 says this. We know the love of God because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Scripture tells us in Ephesians that you were chosen before the foundations of the world. So that lets me know God has always loved you. 1 John 4, 19, we know love because he first loved us. And so the fact of the matter is you did not one day realize or are realizing, oh, I love God. Now he's going to love me. No, God always loves you. This is why you're alive today. Holding back means allowing you to have breath in your lungs to see another day to experience his goodness and his beauty. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, they believe as Christians, we should see God in everything. That means that the tree outside should say, God. The flowers outside, good and beautiful God. So now everything we see, we understand in him everything, y'all. And it's a humans only were created in Christ Jesus. All good, beautiful, and perfect things were created in Christ Jesus, maintained by Christ Jesus for his good creation, humanity. So let's talk about some examples. When we're wondering how would God treat prostitutes? How, how does God look at prostitutes? How does God look at drug dealers? How does God look at alcoholics? Look, y'all, it's only 1048. The chicken don't get here till 1115 anyways. I got about 30 minutes. <laughs> Buckle down. Put on your seatbelts. About to be a bumpy ride. All right. In, 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 I told y'all I'm feeling rowdy today. In John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, a woman is caught in, in the middle of adultery, which just means that those Pharisees were peeping toms. How you going to know people are, mm, if you ain't watching? Anyways. She's dragged out, and it doesn't say they clothed her, so we can only imagine this poor woman was fully exposed to the elements and every eyeball out there. So she's dragged before Jesus, and they come up with stones, because according to the law of Moses, a woman caught in adultery would be stoned to death. I don't know about y'all. That sounds horrible. That is terrifying. That is a thing of nightmares. And so I believe Jesus, writing in the sand, now I look more at Jesus, I think Jesus was buying time waiting to hear what the Father was going to tell him to tell them. Because Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I first hear the father say it. So he's waiting as a good son, waiting for a response. Because oftentimes we talk way before we hear a word from him and our mouths get us in trouble. Jesus wasn't like us, okay? So Jesus is riding in the sand. They're still gibbering. Jesus, what do we do? According to the law, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus is sitting over here like, God, they will not stop talking to me. Goodness gracious. And so Jesus, <laughs> I love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Oh, my goodness. And pause. The one who could have thrown the stone didn't. Think about that. For the one who has not sinned cast the first stone. If Jesus wanted to, Jesus could have yeet. He didn't. Pause and think about this. Jesus, they, they all, from the oldest, it says from the oldest to the youngest, because older men are usually a little bit more wise. So like, all right, Jesus, you got us. The young men were like, mm, I don't know about that. And dropped it. All right. Jesus goes to the woman. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Man, that's a powerful statement. Yeah. Jesus says the same thing to us. Mm. 
Woman, where are your accusers? She says, Lord, there are none. Neither do I accuse you. Or one version says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So how does God see people that we consider nasty and promiscuous? Picks them up. He loves them. Patient, gracious, holding back. Y'all, that woman could have gone and committed adultery again. We don't know. But it wasn't the heart of Christ to condemn her in that moment. It was to pick her up. It was to dust her off and say, grace for another day. So how would God see someone like that? Pick them up, grace for another day. Y'all, grace falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Sun and rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Through Jesus Christ, grace has been poured out on the entirety of the world. That is objective truth. Grace. Let's talk about the woman at the well. Also in John. Oh, my shoe came untied. I'm, I am getting rowdy up here. Golly. Jesus is walking to the well with his disciples, and they're going to Samaria. All right, I don't know how many of y'all know this, but Jews and Samaritans, that was a big no-no. That was a huge cultural differences, huge prejudice going on around there. That was a no-no. Jews did not mix with Samaritans, and Samaritans did not mix with Jews. And so Jesus goes to the well, and he sends the disciples in. And a woman is coming to the well, and Jewish men were not supposed to talk to a Samaritan woman. That was just not something you did. And Jesus starts a conversation with her. Man, Jesus crazy. Breaks down all cultural boundaries. Um, but Jesus starts a conversation with her. He says, woman, give me some water. And she says, well, where's your bucket for water? Where's your bucket? How, how am I supposed to get you water? You ain't got a bucket. She's thinking, this man weak. He ain't got a bucket. Um, <laughs> I'm having too much fun today. And Jesus said, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would be asking me for water. The living water that never runs dry. And she's thinking, what? Where's this living water? I'm tired of walking up here to this hill. <laughs> I'm sick of this. And in, in the passage, Jesus starts to read her mail, as we like to say. So Jesus says, go get your husband. She says, sir, I'm not married. He says, I know you've been married five times. And the man you are now living with is not your husband. Pause. We in modern Christianity with a pharisaical mindset, we like to think Jesus was condemning her. But if you study historical context, a woman could not divorce her husband but a husband could divorce the wife for whatever he pleased. If he no longer thought she was attractive anymore, he could divorce her and, and remarry. It didn't matter. So Jesus is looking at this woman broken. I need you to hear this. This woman is broken. If she did not live with the man, she would be living on the streets, subject to the environment, to wild animals. She would most likely die. No one would be able to, pro to provide her food. There would be nothing. And in this moment, we see Jesus as judgy because we oftentimes are judgy. And so we, he looks at this woman <laughs> and he starts preaching the gospel to her, talking, I've come to give everlasting life. And this woman runs into town saying, this man told me everything I knew about myself. And this woman preaches the gospel, y'all. This broken woman that we would consider trash, a lot of us, this broken woman goes into town and preaches the gospel and says the majority of the Samaritans got saved by her word, but then they went and spoke to Jesus for themselves. And through this woman, through Jesus acting in love towards this woman, a whole city hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how does the father view people who are promiscuous? Well, pause. The father sees the whole story. And I genuinely believe the, long, the longer I've pastored, the longer I've been with people, we don't do anything just because we do it. There's always a, an underlining trauma, an underlining experience that calls us to do what we do. So the beauty of the father is that when he sees our situation, he doesn't just see our one action in the moment. He sees the whole history leading up to that moment. 
This is why his throne is called the throne of grace and mercy. Let's talk about the man with leprosy. This, this may be my favorite story because of the implications of, of what come with it. Jesus is in a crowd of people. And Jesus is healing people. Jesus is laying hands, healing people. And they start to hear a bell jingle. And everyone in that culture knew when you hear a bell, it's not a dog, y'all. Not a dog. This is a, this is a human being with leprosy. Because humans with leprosy were cast out into colonies, leper colonies, away from other people. And they had to wear a bell around their neck to to show. And everyone would shout, unclean, unclean. Because if you got touched by a leper, you were most likely going to be infected. And in that culture, if you contracted leprosy, you you were distanced from your family. You were no longer able to see your children. No one gave you any attention. You were truly outcast from society. And the government may come and give you the scraps they had, moldy bread, whatever it is, for you to live on. But other than that, you had nothing. And so in the midst of a crowd, this man starts walking through and the bell is jingling and everyone is shouting unclean, unclean, and unclean. And all I can see in my mind is Jesus standing still and the whole crowd parts like the Red Sea. Because hmm. everything parts for Jesus anyways. And parts. And this man is coming and says, Jesus, if you, if, you, if you can make me whole, if you can make me clean, please Lord, y'all, there's sometimes we got to get desperate before Jesus because he's the only one who really can. And so the fact of the matter is he comes up. Jesus, please. And y'all, this is what's crazy. Jesus could have just said, you know, you're healed. Good job. Scripture tells us that Jesus embraced the man. Pause and think about this. In that culture, as a grown man, you would be married. You did not have a choice. You would have children. You did not have a choice in that culture. He would have had a family. He would have been distanced from every form of love he knew. And that, and y'all, in that, in that culture, you lived with your parents until you got married. Not just that, you would have lived in the same room and slept in the same bedroom as your parents. That means until you were like 20-something, you'd be living with your mom and daddy. That's how tight they were. That's how close-knit they were. So this man contracts leprosy from whatever it is, and he's distanced from all the love he's ever known. Completely abandoned with people he never knows. It's probably really dangerous in those leper colonies. And in the matter of a moment, Jesus, Jesus could have looked at that man and said, ugh, yeah, you're healed, bro. Like, ugh. But he didn't. In that moment, Jesus embraces a man who probably wasn't embraced for years. Showed love to a person who was probably distanced from people for years. A man who was so dead. Y'all listen, lepers could have been killed on the spot if they would have entered a city. And so this man risked his life because he knew only eternal life and wholeness are in Christ Jesus. And that's the message I proclaim to you today. That sozo salvation, salvation right now in this moment can make you whole, complete, and free right now in this moment. And it's only found in Jesus. But we can only find it when we come to a point so desperate, when we realize we cannot save ourselves from the hardships of this life. We cannot make ourselves whole. Not enough personal discipline, not enough personal trying, not enough striving can do what only Jesus can do. Only Jesus can free you from your addictions. Only Jesus can set you free from sin. Only Jesus can give you eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and only through him do you see the Father. It's in Jesus when we come to that point. As the woman was desperate, the woman caught in adultery was at her most vulnerable moment. In your your most vulnerable moment, Jesus will meet you there. In the moment that you need grace and mercy, I guarantee he's going to give it. Because he always responds in grace and mercy when we humble ourselves before him. 
than the woman at the well when we're caught in things we shouldn't be living in. In those moments where we don't even realize what we're doing, Jesus comes to us. And if there's one thing I know in my life, Jesus meets us where we are. And in her moment of brokenness, not knowing where she was going to go next or be next or who was going to cast her aside next, Jesus met her where she was. And in the matter of a moment, his love transformed her entire life. And she goes into a city and preaches the gospel. And just as the man with leprosy, when your family doesn't want anything to do with you, when those who you thought were closest to you cast you aside, when you can't find a place to belong in society and you don't know what you're going to do next, you feel abandoned and alone. Jesus will always meet you with an embrace. In your hardest moments, in the moments you feel most alone, he is near to the brokenhearted. Where can you go to get out of his presence? And so in those moments, just as the man with leprosy, when you are desperate for just a touch of love, he will meet you there. And he won't just say, yes, be healed. He'll embrace you in love all the more. Y'all all right? Doing good this morning? We already established that God is light, God is life, God is love. And so if you've ever wondered and you've never heard a pastor tell you exactly who God is, you're welcome. Glad you came today. Because the fact of the matter is everything you hear God do, that's an adjective that flows out of his nouns, who he is. And so now when you think about what he does, you have to view it in light of who he is. That right there could change some of your lives and the way you see God right there. Because now instead of thinking he's punishing you, you can see his love and realize it may be a testing, but that testing always makes you better. When you think you're in a dark season, Psalms tells us this. Not even darkness is darkness to God. Miss Cindy Coker, not even darkness is darkness to God. Like, think about that. Why? Because he created both. It doesn't affect him. Don't be just... And now when you feel like you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, you can realize you're actually never in death. Even in the darkest moments, you're actually in the valley of life because wherever God breathes, there's life. And when there's breath in your lungs, there's what? Life. The God who is light. Jesus came as a light into the darkness. Can, can we just think about that? Because light is actually symbolic. It's, it's, actually, it's literal, but it's also symbolic. Light represents everything that is good and beautiful. So it says that Jesus, everything that is good and beautiful, comes into darkness. Well, what is darkness? Darkness is everything that is evil and decaying. So Jesus, who is light, and it says the darkness could not stand against the light. And so I know, because Jesus came and showed me exactly what that meant, I can now be in a world that looks dark but knows that the light is there. This is, this is the hope of Christians. This is the hope that we cling to because even when the world looks dark, we know that darkness no longer has any power because light has come into the darkness and the darkness was overcome by the light. This is why in Philippians, Paul says, if there's anything good, if there's anything beautiful, if there's anything lovely, think on these things because I promise you the light still exists in the darkness. You just might have to look for it a little bit more. So because Jesus came as God in the flesh to show us what light looks like in the darkness, we can now know the beauty, the beauty of it is this. Jesus said, you are now the lights in the world. Don't cover yourself up. And what does that look like now? That looks like just as Jesus brought light to the prostitute, 
just as Jesus brought light to the leper, just as Jesus brought light to the woman at the well, now we can take light to the world. When we know someone is broken and hurting, we can take light into the darkness. We can take the kindness. We can take the love. We can take the mercy. The whole reason I preach in the park on Sunday mornings when they ask me to is because love compels me to do so. Those are broken people. Those are people hurting. Those are people that need to know that their addiction does not dictate how the Father sees them. That in Christ Jesus, all things are made new. All things are made whole. And so in Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us why he preaches the gospel. Because it's not the anger or wrath of God that compels him. It's the love of Christ that compels him to take the message to the world. So now we are to shine as light in the darkness. And how can we do that? Because Jesus first came and showed us what it meant that God is light. The God who is life. Jesus came to bring eternal life. In John 17, 4, Jesus said this, knowing the Father and knowing the Son is is eternal life. Why? Because life is in the Father. And you can't even know life. You can't even live life. You can't even comprehend life until you see life in the Father. Now that in itself is a mystery, and a mystery is something we've been diving into in this church. The mystery is the fact that life is in the Father, and Father sustains all things. And I love when Jesus says this. He says, are a couple of sparrows not worth but a couple of pennies? And God provides every single thing that they need. God knows every hair on your head. What do you have to worry for? For God cares for you much more than all the sparrows. So when we look to nature and we see life sustained in nature, we can know that that same God that sustains all life sustains my life. And we can know the hoopers. Y'all always got my back. They shout me down hands. Thank y'all. So we can know when we face y'all. Scripture tells us in Romans 8, one of the great, one of my favorite chapters in the entire of the Bible, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor nothing created or uncreated nor nothing visible or invisible can take us out of the hands of the Father. Jesus also says this, those who were called by the Father into his hands, nothing can snatch them out of his hands. Life is sustained in him. Your clock will tick until he decides. He's the one. I don't know why. I don't know how. But I know that life is in the Father. And I know that I did not know life until I met Jesus. Because I can tell you I was living in death and decay. I can tell you I was nasty. I was dead inside. Y'all, if y'all knew what I did before I met Jesus, y'all probably would not be listening to me right now. But I'm a story of reconciliation and redemption in Christ Jesus. And so the fact of the matter is I did not know that life existed until I met Jesus. Jesus is the perfect picture of God. Jesus is life. He brought life into the world. The God who is love. The God who is love. Jesus walked in perfect love towards all people, even those who have been considered his enemies. Jesus says this. Jesus says, you've heard hate your enemies, but uh, uh, now I say to you, love those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. Care for those who curse you. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now you love one another. Love has no greater, greater gift than this, that one laid down his life for his brethren. And so the God who is love came in perfect love towards all people as we talk through those stories. But not only did he come in perfect love, he died in perfect love. Jesus did not come to somehow fulfill the wrath of an angry, bloodthirsty God. 
God actually sent Jesus here. Not to save you from him, but to save you for him. He sent Jesus in the fullness of time is what scripture says. When time had come, when God, because God preordained everything before the foundations of the world, there was a plan and it was always Jesus. And you were always the beloved. And so the fact of the matter is before the world began, God stretched out the timeline and he saw every single person. Kenneth, he saw you. Eddie, he saw you. Martha, he saw you. Kelsey, he saw you in the timeline of existence. And he said, here is where my son will come. Here is where my son will reconcile all things back into the father. Because as Roman 5 tells us, as all fell in Adam, all will be made alive in Christ Jesus. So he saw preordained in time to see Kevin, to see Brenda, to see Jackie. He saw the timeline. He says, this is when my son will come for the world. Not to condemn or judge the world, but by, through him, the world might be saved. Jesus did not come because God's wrath was burning hot against you. He came because he loved you and you were lost. Because he's still the good shepherd that leaves the 99 for the one. He's still the one that will put everything aside to find the one coin. He's still the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus is still the one that meets the lonely and the broken. Jesus is still the one that heals the sick and the lame and the blind and the deaf. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I promise you, he is your liberator. And if you allow him, he will liberate you. He will free you. The story of salvation is a story of a rescue mission. You could not free yourself from death, sin, or evil. You couldn't do it. The law could not do it. That law actually came so sin would abound. The law was given to show you how, how desperate you were for a savior. God saw you stuck. He did not hate you. He loved you. He saw you stuck in sin and death, and he saw what that would lead to, separation. And in that plan, he sent Jesus as a rescue mission because Jesus is our liberator to free us, to heal us, because only in him is their life. Only in him is their light. Only in him is their love. John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What a beautiful promise. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. I want to talk about the nearness of God, even to those of you who may not even believe in Jesus yet. In Acts 17, 28, Paul is talking to a bunch of Athenian philosophers. And he's at the Areopagus, which is a place of debate, a place of discussion. And he says, Athenian brothers, I see that you are religious in all matters. For I look around and I see idols everywhere. I even see an idol labeled to the unknown God. But this God you worship in ignorance, I proclaim to you today. That the God that formed the heavens and the earth, the God that does not need human hands to worship, because he gives life to all things. He breathes existence into all things. This is the God I proclaim to you today. And in Acts 7.28, Paul says this, For in him you live, move, and have your very being. To those of you who don't even believe in Jesus, he still sustains you right now. The breath in your lungs is because he allows it. 
the breath in your lungs is because he loves you. You exist because of him and not just because of him, but for him. Paul even says this. He says, as your poets say, we are all sons and daughters of God. Wait, what? Yes, you are a son and daughter of God, whether you have awakened to that reality or not. But I believe that's why you're here today. I believe you are here today for your broken identity to be restored, for you to realize that the world does not define you, the world does not give you value or worth, but the one who created you does. The creation does not determine its value or worth, but the creator does. And so the fact of the matter is, in him, even if you believe or not, that's objective truth. Objective truth is that in him we all live and move and have our very being. There is no place that is apart from God's presence. There is nowhere you could be separated from God's presence. David said, whether I soar on the wings of the eagles, you are there. Whether I descend into death's shield, you are there. All things were created in him and through him and for him. And by him all things are sustained and maintained on the very earth. And so today... This gospel, the too good to be true good news of Jesus Christ that is actually true is presented to you today that God has always loved you. That even in our worst moments, he loves us. And he holds back because he is patient and gentle with us. Paul also says in Acts 17 that he overlooks times of ignorance. He overlooks times when you don't know, when you've never heard. But today is the day of salvation. Yes, very so much today. That today you can take that step into a place with Jesus Christ. That the one who loves your soul, the one who came, the one who is light, life, and love can bring light, life, and love into your life, into your very being. To become one with him is life and eternal life. This is the gospel today. Jesus loved you. He came for you. To free you, not because God hated you, but because God loved you so much. That Jesus came as liberator to liberate you from sin, death, and evil. That you may live as shining lights in the darkness to a broken, hurting world. That you can give life. You can speak life into broken and dead people. You can love those who've been stuck in hatred and pain. This morning in the park, i got to share this because I want you to know you're not too far gone. This morning in the park, there were people who were doing very inappropriate gestures while we were doing worship in the park. And I'm okay with goofy stuff. I get it. Some people don't care about God and they mock him. But when it got to sexual references, I said, Holy Spirit said, that's enough. And so when I got the mic, I looked them in the eyes and I said, you're better than this. You have a broken identity. You do this because you don't know who you are. And the man got in my face like he was going to punch me. And I said, I love you. You don't know who you are. He just stood there like this. And dropped his fist and walked away. We do things that we don't want to do because we don't know who we are. We don't know whose we are. And God overlooks times of ignorance. He, he will overlook that man's ignorance. I believe he will because he's good and gracious and kind. He will overlook that. I believe next time I see that man, he'll be worshiping Jesus. I believe it. No one is too far gone. God extends love and grace and mercy to all people. He holds back. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, there is hope for you. There is life in you. So today, if you don't know Jesus, I'm not even going to make you raise your hand because I know sometimes we can get embarrassed because there's a lot of people who believe and we don't want to be left out. I get that. So I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands. But I'm going to ask everyone who believes to raise their hands. Because we're going to pray together. And I believe 
where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there. And when people truly see Jesus, they cannot help but receive Jesus. And the beauty of this is now we get to walk in union with the one who created us. So he can restore our value. He can restore our identity. He can restore our worth. He can show us what to do. He can guide us in the hardships of life. He can illuminate the darkness. He can breathe life into dead things. He can show love into hatred and prejudice and transform lives. And so King Jesus, if there is someone in here who's never heard the gospel in this way, who never heard that God loves them, even in their brokenness, he sent his son to die for them while they were still sinners. (laughs) Father, I pray that, that they start walking in relationship today. Because this salvation journey is a journey and we walk with you every day. And so, Father, I pray that this journey starts today. This journey of union, this journey of relationship. And, Father, those of us who do believe already, I pray our hearts will be burdened to continue to pray for those who don't. And that we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Not the, listen, there's no bad news in the good news of Jesus. There is none. You cannot find bad news. It's all good news because he's a good and beautiful God with a good and beautiful plan. So, Father, today I pray that people decide in their hearts. Right now, this moment, if you want to decide in your heart, you don't got to say anything out loud. Just say, Jesus, I choose you today. Say, Jesus, as you chose me, I now choose you. And I choose to accept your love. I choose to walk in relationship with you because in relationship there is eternal life. And, Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for your goodness and your mercy my entire life, whether I realized it or not, that every breath was grace. Every breath was grace that I live and move and have my being inside of you, Holy Father. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. All right, everyone who is taking part in the costume parade, all the kids and teenagers, please go to the classroom on the side real fast. So y'all, we're doing something fun for the kids. Those who wore their costumes are going to come out and show off their costumes, a fun little fall festival thing. So anyone who dressed up today, y'all please go meet uh, Pastor Serena in that side room. And she'll be out here in a minute. But y'all talk amongst yourselves. We're about to go get that good food, I promise. So y'all talk to one another.